Hello, 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 and welcome to Holding Space with Whitney Jean. I'm your host, Whitney, and I am so grateful that you are here. Whether this is your first episode with me or you are returning, I am beyond grateful that the universe has led you to this exact moment, to this exact space with me. I cannot wait to share today's episode with you. I hope you enjoy. So this is the first episode of the new series all about soul purpose and different people's journeys. And I'm really excited for our first guest, who is uh, my dear, dear, dear friend, Amanda, that I have actually known since I was in massage school. She was one of my first um, clients and, of course, one of my favorites. And ever since we stayed in touch and it's been amazing to witness her, witness her growth, witness her expansion, witness her coming, really her becoming of, of Amanda. And so I'm really excited to have her on here today. Uh, Amanda is an attorney and her story is so fun because of the pivots that she's made and the changes that she's made. And her heart throughout all of this and her heart being her guiding force. I think that we have a lot that we could learn from Amanda. So thank you for being with us, Amanda. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So I'm so excited. And I am actually really, really, really grateful that you are the first person on this series, because I think that you have such a powerful story and your ability to go be guided by your heart and your ability to say, this isn't serving me any longer. This isn't in alignment with who I am or what I stand for is absolutely incredible. And I am in awe of you and I admire you so freaking much. And so I'm so excited for everyone else to hear your story and hear your, and feel you and experience you in a way that I get to see when we're having a conversation on the couch in the studio, or we're having a conversation in the workshops. Like it's so fun to be able to witness you and experience you. And I cannot wait for people to be able to do that. So to start us off, will you share a little bit about you and your story and all of the things? Absolutely. Um, So my name is Amanda Ray Lambert. Uh, I'm originally from Texas. I was born and raised in El Paso. Uh, I went to school at UTEP. And ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to be an attorney. That was the path that my life was taking me on. And I remember being in college and sitting in my high or my college classes and looking at what is Mexico? I mean, I could see across the border into Mexico and it really allowed me to see all of the things that were available to me, you know, just by luck of being born 10 miles on the right side of the border, you know, and it gave me the strength and motivation I needed to continue my journey to become something more, you know, none of my family had graduated from college. I was the first in my, in my family to graduate from college other than my sisters. And it was just such a humbling experience, but I felt like there was something more. All of, you know, my friends um, and family had stayed in El Paso and I just, I felt like there was more in the world to experience. Um, And so I left for law school. Um, I admittedly was tired of the Texas heat and I opted for better weather in North Idaho. And so I went to school in Moscow. Um, Law school was probably the (laughs) most difficult thing that I had experienced up until that point. Um, Nothing that I had done up until that point had prepared me for what I was going to experience in law school. Um, Just it, it, it was it was tough and I, and I really struggled, um, 
but nothing could really compare to the bar exam. And I didn't pass the bar exam on my first try. And that was something that I struggled with accepting. You know, I had to wait six months before I was able to retest. And I was very embarrassed about that fact, um, especially, you know, being a, a baby attorney and being somebody that had just graduated from law school, everybody had expectations of me that you'll pass right away. It's not going to be a big deal. And I, I missed it by a few points. And I, like I said, used to be really embarrassed of that fact, but ultimately now I've embraced it as part of my journey because uh, not only has it helped me become who I am today, but it has helped others who have been similarly situated. Um, it's given them the strength to be able to get through their own journey to realize that, okay, this isn't the end of the road. This is just a bump in the road. And, and I can go on to achieve, achieve this dream. And so, you know, it was something that I ended up embracing, you know, once I started or once I passed, I started working for um, a defense attorney and my world changed. I met people that I never thought that I would meet. I interacted with people um, in in situations that I would have otherwise never had the chance to, you know, but I didn't feel like the work that I was doing um, was good enough in that there were people out there that needed my services that couldn't afford my services. There were people that needed help navigating the legal field, even if it was just a simple question that you know, they're not going to pay hundreds of dollars for an attorney to retain. And so it was at that point that I decided I needed to work in indigent service. And so I started working for the public defender in North Idaho and I worked there for eight years. And I, I mean, I, I saw it all. I, it really showed me so much about people uh, because I was able to not only interact with the people related to their legal case, I was able to talk to them as, as humans, you know, what's your story that's brought you here? Why does this keep happening? And I, I've represented a lot of felons, you know, and most of them were um, caught up in the legal field because of drugs and, and addiction. And they were caught in the revolving door of the criminal justice system. And you know, as a defense attorney, I felt like there was still something more that I could do to help people get past whatever it was. And so I loved things like trial. I mean, trial was my Super Bowl. That was the thing that we always worked towards, you know, but at the same time, my goal was helping this person was helping this person get to where they needed to be. Um, ultimately, you know, when I found injustices, I would fight them. I, I argued a case all the way up to the Idaho Supreme Court and I won. Um, and it was incredible because somebody had the courage to say this is wrong and they stuck to their guns and I was there with them. And, and it was an incredible experience to witness that. Um, and so, you know, throughout all of that, that's sort of like my backstory. And I just still through it, you know, as a, an attorney, I was a counselor. And so I just felt like I needed there was more that I could do to help people. Um, in unfortunately, in 2020, you know, CV hit and in-person court was canceled. Um, hearings were held by Zoom, uh, even including sentences and sentencings. You you couldn't see a judge um, in person unless you were facing life in prison. And so, I felt that the things that made my job personable had been removed. You know, the face-to-face -face interaction had been taken away. And, you know, it's very difficult to have a personal, candid conversation with a client when your face is covered. And so, you know, ultimately, I felt like the criminal justice system was harming people in a way that was irreparable. Um, I felt like their right to a trial by jury was being violated. It's a constitutional right. and. And that was being sidestepped. And as a government employee, I had a boss and my boss was unwilling to do anything about it. And, you know, at this point, trials had been canceled for a year and everybody has the constitutional right to have a right or a trial within six months of the date of your arrest. And so it blew my mind that an order had been issued suspending trials and 
it was just left in the hands of the court judge here to determine if the numbers that included presumed positive cases were high enough to suspend trial. And that went on for almost a year and a half. Um, And at some point in June and July of 2021, everything went back to normal. The mandates were lifted. In-person court had resumed. Trial had resumed. And in August, it got suspended again. And I it was at that point that I reached my breaking point. I felt like there was enough science out there for us to at least push back a little bit. Let's try and have our voices heard. Let's be the defense attorneys that these clients need us to be in order to get their rights back, to to do right by these people. And Ultimately, I was met with resistance. You know, she said that it wasn't in the best interest of our client and that it could not negatively affect their cases. And I couldn't have disagreed more. Um, And I'm still, frankly, blown away by it. You know, I prided myself in being different than the stereotypical public pretender. You know, I, I took pride in my work. And so I wasn't going to be the person that just said, oh, well, there's nothing we can do because I knew that there was more that we can do and we were just choosing not to. So I left. Um, I left the profession that I had worked my entire life pursuing. Um, You know, I gave up my income. I gave up the one thing that I thought brought purpose to my life. and, And basically that was my identity. You know, I lived and breathed being an attorney and it was so difficult, but rewarding to walk away from that because I knew that I was holding true to my oath to not do harm, to to do right by people. And so when I made the decision to walk away, I decided to use that as an opportunity for self-reflection. And I took a step back and asked Amanda how she was doing. (laughs) And if I'm being honest, Amanda wasn't doing good. Um, For the last decade, I had been operating on a fight or flight level. Um, I had adrenal fatigue. I was overworked. I was over-caffeinated and yet still exhausted. Um, My diet was crap. My water consumption was poor and I sat all day long. But I was so stuck in my hamster wheel uh, to notice that I was slowly killing myself. Uh, I was so focused on fixing the lives of the clients that I had that I wasn't focused on mine. Uh, I allowed my empathy for other people to dominate, and I essentially put myself on the back burner. Um, So that changed. I changed my lifestyle and sought out the healing that I believed that I needed. Uh, I signed up for my first embodiment session with Whitney, and as she mentioned, I have been seeing Whitney for probably five years And it has been amazing to see her transformation and the things that she has learned and the tools that she's utilized and the person that she's become, that I wanted that. I wanted a taste of that. I wanted to experience that for myself. And so for my birthday, my husband bought me an embodiment session and it was just magic. I was able to release um, the hold that I had on a traumatic event that, that I had experienced in my life. I really felt like it had stopped me from doing a lot of things. I felt like it was affecting me in my daily life. But since it happened over a decade ago and I had seen counselors, I I felt like I was fine. It's something that happens and and it's just fine. It, it, It is what it is. And when I met with Whitney, I realized that life didn't have to be that way. I realized that there is something more that there is an opportunity for forgiveness. And so in that moment, I forgave myself and I recalled back my power that I had given to that negative effect or event rather. And calling back my power was just so miraculous in that it seems like a simple concept, but it was tough. It was something that I really had to put attention to and, and consciously work towards it. 
And once I was able to do that, my life changed. And it was during an access consciousness um, session with Whitney that I was doing this. And I remember she had her hands on my head and she was asking me some questions and and it was in my response to her questions that my brain felt like a bag of popcorn. I will never forget that feeling. It was energetic pieces of, you know, dots flying all over my brain. And it was, it was magic in a way that I have never experienced it before. And so I had to learn how to do this. I had to learn how to be able to create this magic in other people because I know that it's needed. I, I know that there's so many people that are limiting themselves in a way that's not necessary. And if they only experienced the expansion that can take place when they give themselves themselves permission to do that, it, it's it's amazing. And so, you know, with that, I, I took um, an access consciousness class with Whitney. Um, I was able to get my husband to take the class with me. And that was so powerful uh, because I think that it connected my husband and I on a much deeper level. I mean, in a way that we're thinking the same things at the same time. I mean, we are just traveling the same track and it's just so awesome. You know, it's brought us together in a way that I never thought possible. And the next class that I took was Reiki with Whitney. and the energy is so real. It's something that, that I can feel in me. I can feel it in you. I can just feel it all around and the things that are with us. And it, you know, it took a minute for me to conceptualize the fact that energy is all around us. And once I did things changed, things processed for me, you know, I, I started this journey to accomplish the greater good. Right. And and in a plot twist, it allowed me to shift my focus and create a life completely different from the one that I set out to accomplish. You know, because I I left my job, I was able to travel with the People's Convoy across the country from Washington State to Washington, D.C. I met with my senators. I met with the members of the House of Representatives to talk to them about the damage that was happening in Idaho. And even though they were attorneys, they still didn't know that trials had been canceled. And so, you know, it is through all of the the work that I did standing on my principles that I was able to have these experiences to focus on not just this isolated thing, but the greater good. And the thing that I found with the convoy is that we are not alone. There is an overwhelming amount of people that support one another. You know, we are a collective whole and it's so beautiful to see the unity in people, um, you know, when we're not divided. And I just, I so badly want to bring peace and healing to people in a way that I think is more productive than what I was doing in the criminal justice system. You know, like I said, they were just stuck in this revolving door and, and what if there's more, you know, what if there's more for these people to choose, to be able to break the cycle, to be able to relearn different things. And it, it's just, it's magic. And I am so grateful for this opportunity to, to share in it, you know, with Whitney and my husband and my family, but the ripple effects that it's having when I talk to people that are like, well, what are you doing now? And it's like, well, let me tell you what I'm doing now, because it's, it lights me on fire in a way that the law used to, the law used to light my soul on fire, but it killed it for me. I mean, the criminal justice system is just so broken that I, I was a cog in a wheel instead of somebody that was, I felt like making a difference. And I didn't feel like I was totally uh, embodying who I was. I felt like I was a shell operating day to day without consciously thinking of, of things. I, you know, like I said, I was so stuck in what I was doing that I was asleep at the wheel almost. and. It is an incredible feeling to take charge of things, to still 
you know, carry my principles with me and affect change in people that it's just, I'm so excited about the opportunity and I am, I'm so humbled um, to have this chance to share my story. I love this. Oh my gosh. With this being audio, you can't actually see Amanda's face or my face, but throughout her whole story, I'm just like, my tears are are coming out of my eyes. I'm like feeling her and feeling her story. And I know that you guys can feel that too, because she has such a ginormous heart and you can really feel it through the words that she chooses to use when describing her journey, when, when describing the places that she's been and the way that she was lit up and, and how that shifted and all of the things in her her experience with the judicial system. Like there's so much power in your story, Amanda. And I am so incredibly grateful that you were so willing to share your story here, that you were so willing to be seen, to be vulnerable, to drop the armor and, and just share. The thing that first stuck out to me in your story was that you working your in the way that you described it, and I really hope that I don't butcher this, but in the way that you describe working with felons and using the the judicial system to assist people and and having conversations with them on and being like a counselor in the sense of like, okay, what is the repeated cycle that's happening here? What is the repeated pattern? What are you choosing that that got you from here to here? Is that something that you want to shift and change? What I really felt from that moment of your story was you have from the beginning have been such a space of no judgment and total allowance for people in whatever circumstances that they come from and whatever choices that they have made. The judgment isn't in, in the choice so much as like the integrity of, like, okay, where are we right now? And what is it that we've been choosing that? Maybe we we don't choose anymore, or maybe you do continue to choose it. Like that's up to you, but having that willingness to see them for people because that's what they are. And what inter- what is interesting is it it truly comes full circle in your point on the people's convoy and people just there to support people and how many people came to support one another and you're not alone. And it just really feels like it's been this cycle, this, it it came full circle in what if we just saw people for people and we didn't feel the division. We didn't feel the divide. We, we just saw people, people for people and, and were a space of allowance. Yep. And I accepted people the way that they were. I mean, I represented drug dealers. I represented rapists. I represented murderers and they were still people. I had to talk to them and in very closed quarters <laughs> because, you know, their freedoms weren't, you know, as abundant as some of the other inmates. And I just, they were still people. And, you know, I don't want to say I struggled with it, but there were some parts of them that I liked. You know, we were able to bond on certain issues. We were able to talk about things that we had in common. And it was, you know, a situation where if we'd have met under any other circumstances, I probably would have still been your friend. You know, I, I, I see the good in people and it facilitated my work, you know, because I, I treated them like humans, you know, I didn't treat them like a number or, you know, a set of facts. They they were people. I knew their stories. I knew their middle names. I knew what their how many kids they had. I I knew the things about them that mattered to them. And I think that something that I've learned from you is, you know, people just want to be heard. People want to feel um like in the, the space of allowance that you talk about. And I feel like I was doing that without really knowing that that's what I was doing. And I just think of, man, if I didn't own the tools that I had back then, like so much more positive maybe could have come. And I mean, you know, I I choose to believe that now, you know, that the people that will come into my office, if you will, and, you know, have interactions with me, I, I think that there's so much that they can benefit from. And now that I know how to guide them and and it's something that I I feel truly to my core, 
you know, that I, I want people to be seen. I want people to be heard. I want people to feel safe. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think there's a lot of value there in what you just said, because it's really easy to lose the humanness in seeing people for being a person when you have polarity, when you have different in opinions on, it could be something as simple as, well, not simple, but like education, or it could be something about uh, religion, or it could be liberal versus Republican. Like there's so many different things that are fueling this divide. And it's so easy to get caught up in that one thing. But what if you just shifted that perspective just slightly to be a space of allowance and, and recognize there's more to this person than this belief. There are people who love this person. There are people who would do lay down and do anything for this person. There has to be more than just this one belief that we differ that we don't get along on with that we don't agree on. And I really, really, really admire your ability to see people for people and look at the whole picture versus the polarity of, oh, we have this differing opinion. We have this differing point of view. We can't be friends. You know what I mean? Yep, exactly. It's amazing. Another thing that I noticed in your story that popped out to me was when you were in session with me and you're like, life doesn't have to be this way in a space where you felt like you had no power, that you felt like a victim and you felt like you didn't have that power and decided, oh, wait, there's another option. There's another choice. There's another decision here. And and I can choose to call back my power. I can experience joy. I can experience a life of ease and I can choose something different. Will you elaborate on that space? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like because of the traumatic event that happened to me that I gave my power to that person, I felt like I had lost control of my security and when I was in session with you, I realized that that person doesn't deserve my control. That person doesn't deserve the control of my thoughts, of my actions, of of the things that I'm experiencing, because that person doesn't mean anything to me. I value myself in a way that has nothing to do with that person, you know, And I, in recalling back my power, I was able to see that I could choose differently. I didn't have to choose the life of being scared. I didn't have to choose to see potential threats in situations or or people like I can live in, in a space where I see the good in people again, where I see the beauty and the things that surround me and not the danger, where I can see the fun and the joy and the excitement in the things instead of the fear. And that was just so incredible to experience because it seems like basic concepts, right? but it isn't. I mean, it's just, I mean, it is, but it takes time applying those. I don't know if it's the way I was raised or, or, or what, but something. Knowing something and allowing it to actually integrate are two completely different spaces. So you can know the steps to get there, but actually integrating and implementing those steps and experiencing it firsthand are two different spaces. And I think that's why counseling wasn't enough. You know, I I don't feel like the counseling and the talking about it gave me the power to recall my my power, to to reclaim the energy, to stop giving it energy. You know, I, I just, I realized that there's so much power in my thoughts and the things that I focus magnetize and they get bigger. And if I stopped focusing 
on it that way it got smaller I, I didn't make it as big I didn't make it as dominant or controlling it it, it was small it, it was nothing and, and and it was something that I controlled I took back my control over and I never thought I'd get there I never thought that that was possible because because of that event and how it shaped how it shaped what I did moving forward I, I never saw going back to the way I was before that. And now being here to realize that I do choose differently. I do choose to claim my energy and my power and, and life is beautiful again. It just really is. I love that. I love that. It's like taking something that you've made super duper significant, which could be anything, literally anything (laughs) and realizing, well, I'm the one making this significant. What if I chose something different? What if I chose to not make this significant Mm -hmm. any longer? Yep. And that's what I I did. And, you know, the tools that you provided me and, and just kind of the simple questions of, you know, why do you hold this valuable? you know, that is so eye-opening. You can apply that to anything in the, anything that you're feeling that brings discomfort. It's like, well, why did I find that valuable? And it helps dig deeper into, into the root of those things. And it's just those simple questions of the whys and the, not necessarily the hows, but the, the whys. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, You mentioned taking the access class with your husband, Jason, and how doing it together was felt like a whole nother level because from what I'm perceiving is it's almost like you get to take those tools home and then you get to implement them together. So it's not just you doing it. It's you and your part, your life partner doing this together and becoming aware of things that maybe you weren't previously aware of how you held yourself or the thoughts that you think, or the way you, in which you limited yourself in a positive way, or um, I just did air quotes in like a, what you <laughs> deemed positive or what you deem negative way, where you have been limiting yourself from getting bigger, from limiting yourself and staying the same. And I absolutely agree. There is a, a next level power in doing it with your partner because Sean and I took the access class together and the way in which it opened up our relationship and changed our whole whole dynamic of our relationship is there are no words the things that were healed the things that were released within the class itself and then being able to take those home and and offering oh that's an interesting point of view that you have that point of view or does this even belong to me? The different tools that we get through the the class, it's like doing that with a partner. It's a whole next level of integration because you have someone in, in a way that holds you accountable. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I don't, the people at home don't get the benefit of me, seeing me nod as you're constantly <laughs> talking. But it, I, that's exactly what it is. Uh, you know, he's able to very gently and lovingly, you know, hold a mirror in front of myself and show me the things that I need to work on and allow me to work on them at any time that I need them to be worked on. You know, if something came up, okay, after dinner, let's run your bars, you know, and it's, it comes from a place of such love. You know, I know that he wants to help me. And so there's just that gateway and avenue of love that allows the comfort and the healing to take place um, in a way that's just so magical. I mean, you know, the opportunity that we have to run our bars, you know, on each other regularly. And it, it's so helpful in being able to process the things that come up and we're just, we're truly on the same channel. I mean, we are finishing each other's sentences. We're thinking about the next topic. That's the same. I, it has, united us in a, in a way that's so magnetic. Yeah. The whole telepathy thing and having telepathic communication happened with Sean and I, after, uh, we took the access class. I remember a very specific memory where we were walking through Walmart and we were looking, we were in the clothes department and I was thinking, wow, I kind of really want chicken wings. And then Sean turns to me and he goes, Hey, 
do you want to have chicken wings for dinner? And I'm like, <laughs> was that my thought or was that your thought? Because I don't, I don't know. Were you in my head or was I in your head? That's a good question. I always thought the other way around. I never thought that I was in his. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so, and then I'm like, well, does it even matter whose head, whose thought? But then you begin questioning it and you're like, wait, do I want chicken wings or am I picking up on Sean <laughs> wanting chicken wings? <laughs> That's true. It's so true. It's so fun though. It's so fun because you really do, you finish each other's sentences and you finish each other's thoughts. And, and it's like, you can connect on in a deeper, deeper way that you once weren't able to connect with. And it's more of like a perception and awareness than being in your logical mind, which is so interesting with your journey too, because you've gone from a space of being very analytical, very in your mind, very, you know, what what I want to talk about is how with you being an attorney, you're taught to look for all of the holes in your argument or all of the holes in a contract or all of the things that could go wrong. And shifting that now, the polar opposite of what you're doing with the same intention, nonetheless, because the intention now we were talking in the studio a couple of days ago about how really now the goal, the goal is to end these patterns with the people before they even get into the, the judicial system. So now it's about, okay, what can I do for these people to help break these patterns or anybody who's willing to break a pattern within their life that has been ancestral, that has been generational, what can we do to navigate that now so that it doesn't become a, a, a big issue or a big problem that puts you in the judicial system? But so I want to talk about all this. I know this is all over the place, but going from a place where you were looking for the worst to going to a place where you are witnessing the best. And it it's so true. I mean, everything around me was a crime in progress. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, people drinking and driving, people stealing things, people just getting in car accidents. I mean, every time I drove down the road and I saw somebody get pulled over, I wondered if that was a case that was going to land on my desk the following day. And so I went, I, I came from a world where everything was chaos, you know, And now I just truly live in a place of serenity. You know, I, I quit asking how, um, I quit trying to find out all of the mechanics to what I was learning. You know, I I did, you know, at a base level, find out, you know, how Reiki works and how the access consciousness, consciousness works with the bars, but there was a level of trust that I think guided the rest of my decisions. You know, when I, when I left my job, I I trusted that I was going to be okay. In a way that was worst case scenario and the shift to best case scenario. And Also through that, though, I started giving myself grace. Um, You taught me that I needed to have more grace with myself and the expectations that I think that I was placing on how quickly something needed to happen or, you know, the exact method in which it needed to occur. You know, I, I was too tough on myself and giving myself grace to not know exactly where this is going to go, but enough fortitude to take the next step, um, I think was the transformational part of my journey. I, I didn't know exactly where this journey was going to take me, but I knew that there was something more and I knew that I needed to keep walking in order to find it. You know, I, I don't have any shame in trying to reinvent myself this late in the game. I, I think that I would rather be on fire for the things that I'm doing instead of just a bot instead of just somebody that's going through the motions. And I, I think towards the end, you know, while I still had the umph to, to fight the legal battles, I was tired. I was tired. I, I, I was tired. (laughs) And so I just, I'm, I'm glad that I've had the opportunity to recharge and to 
gosh, look at all of the things that were silently poisoning me. I, I mean, you know, Ooh, dive into, dive into <laughs> that. <laughs> what were the I mean, things that were silently poisoning you? Um, my diet, you know, I would drink these like, um, milkshakes in the morning that are advertised as breakfast drinks and on the back they're crap. And, you know, shame on me for not flipping the bottle and looking to the back of it to see that the first three ingredients are some form of sugar, <laughs> you know? And so it's no wonder well, that I was exhausted. Well, when you know better, you do better. So not even shame on you. It's just the simple awareness that was then brought of, oh, these ingredients are not great. Then you get to choose something different. So it's really about having the awareness of, what is it that I'm putting in my body and being willing to ask that question that you previously didn't even know what was a possibility to ask that question. And I was just so surface level, I think with labels and advertisement, you know, I, I trusted the front of whatever the box said, and it was just, you know, having the chance to flip it around and look at the things, you know, there's things that are in our food that, if you can even call it that, you know, that aren't allowed in other countries, you know? And so I took a really deep dive into what's good for my body. What's not good for my body. You know, what are the concessions that I'm willing to make? You know, like, I mean, I'm not going to cut out ice cream. Like I just really love me some ice cream, (laughs) you know, but I, you know, starting my morning with a breakfast shake because I wanted that extra 10 minutes of sleep, you know, so I didn't make myself, you know, a good breakfast. And then the fatigue kicks in by noon and I would have a soda or a coffee and then go out to lunch because I was too lazy to make myself lunch. And then, you know, I get through the rest of my day and then it's dinner and, well, I didn't take the chicken out to thaw last night. So I'll swing by Albertson's on the way home and get a roasted chicken or, you know, order a pizza or whatever the simple thing was. And it wasn't because I was lazy. It was, I need to stay here at the office till 530 because I have some things to wrap up, or I just get out of court at 430 and I still need to swing by the office. It was, it, it was, I was doing the best that I could and I was killing myself. I wasn't sleeping well. I wasn't exercising. I wasn't drinking water. I was overly caffeinated. I was filled with sugar to the brim. And once I started eating colorful vegetables like rainbow carrots and rainbow chard and just having things that grow from the earth, you know, or I'm fortunate enough to have a farmer's market where I can get raw milk and ungraded eggs and duck eggs and all of the things that you don't see in a big city. And I, I mean, I dropped like 20 pounds and it wasn't, it wasn't that I was trying to do that. It was just, my body was like, Ooh, finally some fruits and vegetables and fiber and, (laughs) and just things that are good for me, you know, and lower stress, not the hustle and bustle, the, go, 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 the constant fight or flight. I think that, so there was something that I noticed earlier in in this conversation before the things that were poisoning you was that you used the word chaos and like, like your life was chaos. And I think what you meant is havoc because what if chaos was consciousness moving? What if chaos was exactly what you needed, which was usually chaos and change come when they're in a space where you're like, oh, this is kind of inconvenient. For example, you leaving your job and then from there trying to figure out, okay, what is it that I'm, I'm going to do from here, but inviting chaos, the energy of chaos to me feels like change. It feels like a creative energy. It feels like a little bit of storm and lightning to mix things up, to move the energy, to move the things that were once in so much order. The, the places where your life was so in order, this is how it is. This is how it goes. This, this is how you hold yourself. This is how you navigate this. Like there's a lot of order that has previously been part of your reality. And now you're in a space where you're 
maybe even welcoming chaos in, or I invite you to welcome chaos in into your life of what if I allowed chaos to mix things up, shake things up? I think of a snow globe is what is what I think of when chaos, what if I shook things up, allowed it to shake up so that things could fall into place in a way that I couldn't even fathom in a way that my order would never even open up to allow me to experience. Does that make sense? It does. And it, and it allows things to fall in the places that they need to, to fall. Versus where I would have versus where I would have placed them because I wouldn't have placed them in the same places. And it's just so magical that the universe took control and placed things where they needed to be. Yeah. I I I stopped giving up the how and I just, I let it be. Yes. Ah, I love that. It's it. I just love hearing your story. I love watching you. I love witnessing you and experiencing you in all of the ways because it's, I see a lot of similarities in the, the timelines are a little different, but we're very similar in the sense of, I was very analytical. I was very, this, very, that it had to be structured. It had to be like math and sciences and like all of those things, which I still love. Don't get me wrong, but very much so in the left side of the brain versus now I'm very much so in the right side, the trust, the surrender, the intuitive versus like logical need the explanation. What is the how and watching that shift from one to the other and allowing that balance to then recalibrate you so that you are experiencing both within the same moment. Because my mind wasn't doing me any favors. You know, my mind was worst case scenario and it wasn't allowing me to see the expansiveness of the what if, the what if this all works out the way it's supposed to. And that was the hardest part was to turn my mind off. And and it took a while. I mean, it really did, you know, because if I want if I'm going to be honest, sometimes I still imagine dreaming, going back to work and I'm like trying to get out of that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm trying to not picture myself back in the courtroom. And I don't know if that's just because that's what I've known. You know, I don't know where that comes from necessarily, but it's like, I'm still working on my subconscious a little bit, if I'm being honest, because that's, that's who I was. That was my identity. And so I'm still shedding it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And allowing yourself to shed and release and let go of destroying and creating all the access term, uh, all of the things that were once very significant and a p- massive part of your reality and a massive part of your identity. And at simply being able to ask the question, is this because this is calling me or is this because this is the known and I'm being pulled back to the known instead of trusting and surrendering to the unknown, which is yeah. where the magic happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right. To wrap this up, one final question. What is the best advice you have ever been given or advice that you would like to give others a piece that is just something you would like to share? Um, I think uh, the piece of advice is something that you've taught me um, and I have found it to be the most valuable. And is it something that we've been talking about is that life is a choice. You know, we make hundreds, if not thousands of choices daily, you know, what time are we going to wake up? What are we going to have for breakfast? What are we going to do with our day? And once I embraced the idea that I had a choice in what I was going to do, and I started taking those choices, the limits were blown away. Um, and I just think that when we check in with ourselves, what choice do I want to make for myself today? What, what serves me? What lights me on fire? What is going to help me get and serve my highest good? You know, and I, I think that that was again, such a, a novel concept, but like something that is so powerful when you actually take control, when you take control and realize that life isn't happening to you. And 
just because life has been on this path doesn't mean it needs to continue to be on that path. Okay. You wasted the last 10 years or you did something, you chose that for the last 10 years. Am I going to continue to choose that for the next 10 or for the next 20 or even the next 20 minutes? And that, that lit up my world in a way that I think has been able to guide me to healthier decisions, to better choices, because I was actively choosing things. I I wasn't blaming other people or life situations for what I was experiencing. Everything was my choice. And I think that there's a level of holding myself accountable, you know, in that type of scenario. And I take pride in that. You know, I, I take pride in knowing that these are the choices that I'm making and and I love it. I love that. It, it's like the space of it. I, I'm so glad that this is what you chose. <laughs> we have the power of choosing whatever it is that we want to choose. We can choose something different in 10 seconds if we want to choose something different. But taking radical self-responsibility for the choices you've made up to this point, even if those are reactions, those are still choices to reactions to other people's decisions. Every choice that has been made has been made. And it's taking a power back, your power back, and making very intentional in your power choices here moving forward so that you can create a reality and an experience and a life that feels like it's in alignment with who you want to be, what you want to choose and what you want to experience. Exactly. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having this conversation with me. I cannot thank you enough. You are absolutely magical. If you want to follow Amanda on her journey, her Instagram is transcendent underscore healing. And I will actually put that in the show notes that you can click it and follow. If you guys, if you feel connection, if you resonate with her message and yeah, I am so glad that this was the first first conversation because it could not have gone more beautifully, more aligned, more perfect. And you just have an amazing story. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being on with us. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. I just want to take a moment to express my gratitude for you allowing me to be a part of your journey through this podcast. It brings me so much pleasure and so much joy to be a contribution to you in any way that I possibly can. If you loved what you heard today, or if you were triggered by what was what was said today, I would love if you would leave me a review with any epiphanies, anything that was cleared up for you, any episode favorites, so that I can continue offering you and creating valuable content that is a contri- contribution to you. I would just be so, so thankful. And you can do that on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for taking time to be in this space with me. I love you so much.